Welcome to Insignificantly Significant, a podcast where I ponder my, your significance and our insignificance and wonder um, how do we better live in our world. And by better, I know very qualitative. So I've been reading a book called Bringing Nature Home, um, How You Can Sustain Wildlife with Native Plants by Douglas W. Ptolemy. And I was uh, turned on to this book in a online class that I was attending um, about native plants and why and where and what and all of those things. And I wanted to um, start out by reading a couple of things to you. But before I get going, uh, this all made me want to talk to you because I just heard the news headline that the Norway spruce grown in New York was just delivered to Rockefeller Center for the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. And it sparked my interest because of what I've been reading and what I've been learning. And I know most people will hear the news, the Norway spruce has been delivered and be like, oh, that's cool. Well, I would like uh, to share with you some things to consider. So first, Douglas Ptolemy says, occasionally we encounter a concept so obvious and intuitive that we never thought to articulate it so close to our noses that we could not see it, so entangled with our everyday experiences that we did not recognize it. So sometimes things seem so obvious to you that you don't feel that other people might not see the obviousness, the significance of it. And that happens to me a lot. There's a lot of times that I um, think of something so obvious, like, well, obviously we want to make sure that our monarch butterflies have uh, a place to lay their eggs and food for their caterpillar to eat, that it doesn't seem like a piece that I need to educate the world on. And then we realize many people have never even heard of a monarch butterfly. Many people may have heard of a monarch butterfly, but then ask, who cares about a monarch butterfly? Well, here's another story um, from Douglas Ptolemy. He says, my father once asked me, what good is a housefly? What's its purpose? So that idea that we need to describe purposes is a very common um, idea that we even put on our human selves. So if we change the question just a little, However, science can weigh in on the subject with data from carefully designed, repeatable experiments. Instead of asking about the purpose of any given species, let's ask what role does a particular species play within an ecosystem? Or what good is biodiversity? Or even better, how do diverse ecosystems differ, differ from simplified ecosystems? So the purpose of bringing nature home is to think about why we uh, should consider which plants we plant in our garden, in our parks, at our schools, in our neighborhoods, why we should consider planting plants that support biodiversity in our ecosystem. 
So you may or may not have heard of invasive species and native species. And native species is kind of a difficult, it's, it's kind of like using the word natural. Um, a native species is not necessarily completely native to that area because like how long is native? But a native species grows in that area and has evolved long enough over time that it supports the ecosystem's biodiversity. And by that, I mean it supports bacteria, fungi, protozoa. So they, thinking about the kingdoms, it supports caterpillars, insects, mammals, birds. So we're talking about reptiles, amphibians. We're talking about the whole ecosystem that there are certain plants that support that ecosystem and there are certain plants that don't. And a lot of times we call those plants that don't support the ecosystem alien. So in an ecosystem, thinking about like, well, who even cares? Like, why do we even need a biodiverse ecosystem? And I'm going to read for you a section in Douglas Ptolemy's book because I think it describes it really well. Here's his section. Why do we need other forms of life? I have heard four answers to queries about the need for biodiversity. The first is that we don't need it. In fact, many people would argue that efforts to preserve biodiversity have caused nothing but roadblocks and headaches for economic development. The second answer is that we do need biodiversity so that we can exploit it. And the example we hear most is that we might find new medicines or pesticides in the plants and animals if we preserve rainforests. Third, it has been argued that biodiversity should be preserved for aesthetic, ethical, or moral reasons and that there's no justification for our wanton destruction of other species. Indeed, some advocates, E.O. Wilson, for example, believed that our desire to save the natural world lies in our biophilia, our innate love of nature. Finally, an argument that is only now getting its share of ink is that we need biodiversity because it literally sustains us. If we can change the dialogue in our schools, in our public, that a biodiverse environment supports our clean air, clean water, it supports erosion, it supports reducing wildfires. If we can keep our ecosystem, our yard, our neighborhood balanced with biodiversity, we now have created an environment that humans have evolved in in the first place. So back to the Norway spruce. I'm reading this section and in um, part of the book, he talks about what should we plant? Okay, so now that we know what we know, and we know that there are some species of trees that literally support hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of species of insects. So why do I want insects on my trees? Well, I want insects to be present because the insects that are present, that are part of our ecosystem, support the development of our baby birds. And those baby birds will eat those insects and build nests and fly around and they will control that population because there'll be that balance between birds and insects. Then the birds will eat some of the seeds that are produced from our trees and they will make sure that our native trees that are supporting our ecosystem are then spread around as they fly around and spread those seeds. 
our tree cover, we know when the roots of the trees and the ground and the ground is stable that we uh, reduce erosion, that we filter air, our healthy soils are making sure that our groundwater is filtered and healthy. So there are many reasons why we want our ecosystem to be balanced and healthy. There is an example where some of the woody plants um, that support the, the butterflies. So our species of butterflies are interesting because we've got, we need the butterflies to lay eggs. And then those eggs will go into that stage of the caterpillar and the caterpillar needs to eat leaves typically. So thinking about the monarch, the interesting thing about how the monarch has evolved is the caterpillar stage of the monarch butterfly only can digest milkweed leaves and some of the stems. Interesting, right? Because you know, ah, that's stupid. The why can't because over time that milkweed plant is really successful. It spreads around. It's along the path of migration for the butterfly, and therefore over time that coevolution just fit perfectly. Well, because evolution can take a while and clearing an entire forest to build a subdivision doesn't take very long. We've disrupted this relationship and we didn't do it purposefully, right? Like no one set out to be like, I'm going to destroy the migration pattern of monarchs by destroying their habitat for their milkweed and therefore caterpillars can't eat. No one did that deliberately. But now that we know what can we do? So one of the things that we're asking people to do uh, is plant milkweed. Plant milkweed in your garden. Have a section where butterflies can stop and lay their eggs. And you know what you'll get? You'll get beautiful caterpillars and you'll get beautiful caterpillars building chrysalis. And then you'll get beautiful monarch butterflies if, uh, emerging from those chrysalis and flying around your garden. It is fantastic. So thinking about what should we plant? There was an example in the book where um, a oak trees of the, a specific family. So if we think about what oak tree is, is grows really well and supports wildlife in your area, right? Because where I live, my oak trees might be a little bit different, but here we've got white oak and red oak, and live oak. Oak trees in my area can support 500 species of butterflies. That's amazing. And then I was reading uh, that if we take a ginkgo, which is a, an imported plant, beautiful, grows quickly, people can buy it from the uh, nursery, that tree will support four species. Why would someone choose to support less? Because they didn't know. So then I'm reading and we get to sections about um, the different kinds of uh, plants to plant, the different kinds of species that they support, the different kinds of trees to plant, and I get to spruces. And in our, in our, in North America, there are seven spruce, spruces that are um, deemed to support native ecosystems, uh, the ecosystems that are here and the, to support a bi biodiverse ecosystem. So that idea that, you know, what can I plant to make sure that our insects 
There's a pine that supports like a spruce. Let's see what we've got here. Um, blue spruce is our only native spruce used widely as an ornamental. So thinking about growing blue spruce, it's native, it supports local um, animals, birds, insects, and those can make a great Christmas tree if you so desire to have one. Well, guess what? The Christmas tree that was delivered to Rockefeller Center is a Norway spruce. The Norway spruce is not native. The Norway spruce was grown in New York and it was grown on a Christmas tree farm, I'm sure. Or maybe it was grown in a forest because it's really big. And, you know, like, how do we pick the biggest tree to put in the center of our city? Weird, right? That I'm going to cut down this amazing specimen and I'm going to put it in our city. Well, here's the other thing. The Norway spruce doesn't support the biodiversity. Why would a place grow a Norway spruce when we have all these other spruce options in our area? And why would we represent that in our center stage, uh, New York City? So I wondered, like, what, what would be the great education piece? And is there a way in this deeply divided world to bring us together for a common cause? For example, if we thought about, instead of worrying about some of the other things that you know are dividing us, what if we all said, hey guys, cutting down these beautiful trees is not a great way to support our biodiversity and therefore sustain life, including human life. So let's change our culture so that we're not cutting down swaths of forest. I know that we do need swaths of forest um, or that we do grow swaths of forest to cut down for lumber. And that's a big industry. And I know some of you will say, well, when you're done with your Christmas tree, like a lot of people, you can put it in the uh, lake or in a place that supports uh, the ecosystem of fish. How many people are doing that is my question. And is it worth the trade-off of I have this field that I'm growing. I'm going to harvest those trees. I'm going to replant them. But think about that sustainability of replanting them and how long does it take for a Christmas tree to grow that I'm going to cut down and put in my house. So those are questions that I just wonder about when you are out and about thinking about holidays. Should we support Christmas tree farms in growing things that are sustainable that that support our wildlife should we grow christmas tree farms of alien species what should we do to move forward thinking about the biodiversity and the health of our community is this significant is this insignificant let me know what you think you can uh comment uh, you can add a uh, idea to the post. Uh, please like and share and make sure that people can uh, get more information and ponder their significance. Talk to you soon.